get the impression they might get down there. Exciting times in the Lord. Amen. Amen. You glad to be here today? Amen. Boy, you weren't you didn't convince me with that. Yeah. Are you yeah. glad to be here today? Yeah. We're not meant to get quiet, church. <laughs> so, you know, your participation, even during a message, is more than welcome. And it's healthy for you. And it's good for the principalities and powers to see that we are in agreement with the truth of God's word. Amen? Amen. So you can't say amen too loudly. You can't say praise the Lord too loudly. You can't say Jesus is alive too loudly. <laughs> None of those things, it's fine, right? Yeah. So if you want to just jump up and stomp your feet and say, whoa, man. That's yeah. Fine, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Okay. We're free in this place. We're free in this place. Freedom and love. If you got a Bible with you, open up to 2 Corinthians chapter 10. If you don't, and you've got a smartphone, you can pull up our app for the church and find the Bible that we can reference there if you wish. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 4 and 5, we read that the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Amen. Now, based on what we just read, there are strongholds, that's a fortress of wrong thinking, that are require us to pull them down. Yeah. Right? There are arguments, and that's seemingly, seemingly logical, rational arguments or reasonings that need to be cast down. Yeah. There are high things that exalt themselves against the knowledge of God. There are attempts at making something other than God and his wisdom be of greater value to you. That's what a high thing is. A high thing is anything that sets itself up as being more worthy of your pursuit, more worthy of your life, more worthy of your time and attention than God is. All three of these things are weapons used against us in the spiritual battle being waged over our relationship with Jesus. It wants to attack you at the place of your faith in Christ. But notice the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh. They're not carnal. That's what it means. They're not according to your strength and power. They are mighty. How? In God. Yeah. You've got to use the weapons that are mighty in God to pull down strongholds, yeah. to cast down arguments, yeah. and to yeah. cast down every high thing Matters. that yeah. exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Now, all of these things that are mentioned in 2 Corinthians take place in your thought life. If they're not dealt with correctly, they will hinder your spiritual growth and your God-given destiny. Your thought life is the front lines of your spiritual battle. You do not pull down strongholds and cast down arguments and, 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 and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God by calling together a meeting and everybody shouting, we, we reject you, devil. We name the principality of. That's not how this is done. That's a false idea of spiritual warfare in the sense that 2 Corinthians 10 is teaching us. This is dealing with what's taking place in your mind on a daily basis. Your thought life is the front lines of spiritual battle. Yes. But you've been given supernatural truth and faith to fight with. Now, your weapons, it is said, are mighty in God. Now, did you know that some traditions held dear to you may meet the description of a stronghold and can hinder you? And these traditions 
that you hope beer could come from your family culture, your friendship culture, your work culture, yep. your educational culture. Come on, come on. Come on. Yeah. Can come from all that. Did you know that sentimentality or nostalgia will often meet these descriptions yes. and can hinder you? Jesus said, he who loves father and mother more than me is not worthy of me. Yeah. He who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Yeah. Jesus spoke that. Yeah. But we have situations today where family is everything. And God takes aside yeah. position. Right. That's a high thing. Not that we are to love our families and value them and treasure them, but God is to be more treasured and more valued than anything on this earth. Amen. Good. Told my wife when I married her, she said the same thing to me. I loved you, but I love Jesus more. And I will always obey him. Amen. Above everything. Now, did you know that these threats can be cultural? Religious, yeah. political, yeah. educational, yeah. or relational. Yeah. Anything contrary to the truth of the new covenant gospel of the kingdom that is allowed a place in your thinking is dangerous for you. Yeah. It will hinder your spiritual growth and your destiny. Yeah. It will do it every single time. Thoughts should pass through the supernatural filter of the gospel of the kingdom, which puts Jesus at the center as Savior and Lord. Yes. Meaning his word is preeminent yes. over all things in your life. Are you hearing me? Amen. Now, many frontline threats are often rooted in an old covenant understanding of Scripture. Yeah. Yeah. Often that understanding is rooted or based in sentimentality or nostalgia, and it produces confusion about the context of the glory of the new covenant. You realize that every day you are confronted with, in your mind, and I promise you, if you think about this, you can pinpoint places where it's happened, you're confronted every day in your mind in some way about the truth of the new covenant that's been given to us through Jesus Christ. The enemy's relentless about trying to confuse you on that. The enemy of your soul loves it when you give in to something that runs contrary to the truth of the new covenant gospel. You can't, you can't have the gospel preached too much to you. It's impossible. He loves to sow things in your mind that dim the glory of Jesus in the new covenant. Yeah. See, the enemy wants to obscure the truth about Jesus and what he accomplished in his obedience. Yeah. And he wants to make it all about your obedience. Yeah. Now, please pay special notice to what it says in verse 5. We read it there, 2 Corinthians 10. Bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Now, did you catch what it's actually saying here? The phrase, into captivity to the obedience of Christ, is really important to pay attention to because many read it this way. Let me tell you how most people skim and read it. They read it as saying, quote, bringing every thought into captivity to an obedience. To Christ. Now I personally believe it's a mistake to read it that way. Replacing the word the with an and the word of with to changes the meaning and the application of the statement. That would make our own outward obedience what is used by God to accomplish the victory. Many mistake a, a, a make the mistake of thinking that it speaks of moral obedience based on what it says also in verse 6. We'll read that one. Look at verse 6. And being ready to punish all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. 
Now think about what is really being said here. Think about it. Being ready to punish all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. What obedience? What obedience? This is the work of God. That you believe on him whom the Father has sent. What shall we do to do the works of God? This is the work of God. The obedience of believing the truth concerning Christ is what this is speaking of. See, the way I read it is this way. Quote, you will punish any disobedience of doubt with your faith in Jesus when these attacks on your thought life occur. End quote. In other words, my first obedience is to believe the truth about Jesus, which pulls down strongholds, casts down imaginations. Are you hearing me? It takes out those arguments. It exposes. It rejects every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Why? Because my thoughts are being fixed upon the good news of Jesus Christ. They're focused on all that Jesus did. And not on all that I can do. In other words, my personal being Simply believe the truth. That's my obedience. And this is why getting the gospel right is so important, saints. The good news of Jesus is the core truth of the new covenant. So we got to make sure we get it right. There's no such thing as too much gospel in the kingdom. We don't, we don't overcome the enemy by our obedience to the law. Scripture makes it abundantly clear. When you want to find out what's going on in the heavenlies, don't everybody go to the book of Revelation? Isn't that the letter that exposes what's transpiring in the heavenlies? Are you all alive? <laughs> look at Revelation 12, 10 through 11, and look at what was going on in the heavenlies. Remember John the Apostle's on the Isle of Patmos? Yes. And he's caught up. Yeah. He's caught up. And he's witnessing things occurring in the heavenly realm. Yeah. And he writes about these things. And here in Revelation 12, 10, he's witnessing something that's transpiring in the heavenly realm. Look at what it says. And I heard a loud voice saying in heaven... Now salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ have come for the accuser of our brethren who accused them before our God day and night has been cast down. And they overcame him by the obedience to the law. They overcame him by getting their act morally together. Oh, your Bible doesn't say that? No. <laughs> they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb, by the word of their testimony, and they did not love their lives to their death. Yes. See, this is not testifying of how you were good enough to earn your salvation by doing things in your own wisdom and power. It's testifying of what Jesus accomplished. When it was time to kick the devil out from before the throne of God, bringing accusations day and night against the people of God, it took Jesus shedding his blood. It took Jesus raising from the dead. It took Jesus ascending back to heaven. It took Jesus paying for sin once for all time. That's what it took to finally get the devil out from approaching God to say, did you see what that one, did you see what that one did? Did you see, did you, there is no accuser in heaven for you now. You understand that? You no longer have an accuser in heaven. He's been kicked out. Amen. This is not telling you that you can do something to make this happen. It's, these are, what you're reading, these are the mighty weapons 
in God. See, Jesus brought salvation and strength. Jesus translated us out of the kingdom of darkness into his marvelous kingdom of light. His power drove the accuser out who was bringing accusations against us before God day and night. It was Jesus who caused the accuser to be cast down from heaven. You had nothing to do with it. Nothing. Now the accuser has come down to earth and knows he has but a short time. The devil's work of accusation is not happening before God day and night. Now it's happening in your thought life day and night. He's come down to earth and he knows but he has a short time. And man, he doesn't get tired. He's probably finding it far more effective to come to you as the accuser than to go to God. You're not going to win your battle by relying on your own abilities. You're going to have to stand on the merits of Jesus alone. Amen. You're going to need to take your stand on the cleansing power of his blood and believe that by grace and faith in him, you are truly now a new creation. And when you truly believe this, you encounter his great love. Your natural life doesn't seem as important to you as it once did. When you truly believe this, you, you value your relationship to him in a whole new, different way. Amen. Like Paul said, if I die, I'm the Lord's. And I'm eager to be with him. But for now, it's expedient that I'm here for you. Right. The only reason Paul was remaining was for the sake of the saints. There was nothing to do with Paul's need to stay here on this earth in pursuit of the things of this world that are supposed to give you pleasure. Paul was so enraptured by a love for Christ because he was so full of revelation of the love of Christ for him that he wanted to be where the majesty on high was in real time. Amen. Now, by faith and revelation, we are seated with Christ in the heavenly places by the Spirit. But Paul's saying, I'm ready to be done with all this nonsense that's going on down here. I'm just here for your sakes. I'd much rather be where he is, where the accuser's been kicked out and can't come back in anymore. Remember Paul said he had a thorn in his side? Everybody wants to turn that into sickness and all kinds of stuff. It was a messenger from Satan, saints. Right. It was the accuser trying to work overtime on this apostle. <laughs> Come on, brother. Hello. Yes. Constantly badgering him about his apostleship. Right. Constantly badgering him about the calling. Constantly. When he asked the Lord to take it away, by the way, the messenger was embodied in flesh and blood. So often that's the case. The Lord's answer to Paul was, hey, good, my grace is enough for you. Don't focus on that. Stay focused on what I call you to be focused on. Stay with the gospel, Paul. Stay on mission, Paul. Don't get distracted, Paul. Come on. Paul's a man just like we are. Yes. Being flesh, blood, just like we are. Fighting the battles that we fight and face each and every day. He has to win them through the same means we have to. Yeah. Are you hearing me? Yeah. 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 The saints spoken of in Revelation were so caught up in the life, that they were not so caught up in the life here and now that, that death could be of any real threat to them. Death was like a welcome friend. When you're not caught up in the world, and you are absolutely just in awe of Jesus because yes. your relationship is increasing and growing. Yes. Death comes as a welcome friend, not yes. an enemy. Amen. Yes. 
It's not a fearful, frightful endeavor. Amen. That's why in these nations where believers are persecuted, they say, you shall deny him or we shall kill you. You, you. you can't be preaching Jesus. You can't be witnessing to others about this Jesus. Right. And they're just bold enough to say, I'll never stop. Amen. Amen. And then the powers that be marvel because it's like they don't care about death. They don't care. They've seen something. They've experienced something. They believe something so powerful that it's totally set them free, even from the Isn't that what the Bible teaches? Who through fear of death all their lives were subject to bondage? We just watched two years of the torment and imprisonment of fear through the threat of a pandemic. And the only way it had the legs that it had was people were scared of death. Right. Exactly. Those that were not scared of death could have cared less. And the only reason they ever put on a mask was for somebody else's sake, not theirs. It's true, and that's fine. But God wants you so free that your life cannot be dictated to by anything on this earth. He wants you that free that nothing going on on this earth dictates to you who you can be who he says you are, and what you can do. The battle of strongholds, arguments, and high things have to be won on the front lines. And the front lines are his thought line. You're not meant to be a prisoner of out-of-control thoughts. There's no such thing as a thought you can't take authority over. It's not true. Just as it's not true that uh, there's no sin that's so great and it's tempted you so badly you just had to give into it. There is no sin that has overtaken any man that God will not give him a way of escape. That's what the Bible teaches. You don't have to yield yourself. You don't have to let those thoughts just keep coming. You know, Jeremiah spoke prophetically this way. He talked about cockatrice eggs. And he, cockatrice was an asp. It was a, a poisonous snake. And the way it works is they would lay these eggs, and they would have these clutches or these, these hatchlings in the, in the hundreds of snakes. And he said that those that were not thinking straight, they had cockatrice eggs up here. And it's only a matter of time before they hatch, and these little poisonous snakes have to eat. And you know what they're doing? They're devouring your soul life. Yeah. One area at a time. Yeah. They're after your soul life. They want to take you piece by piece in yeah. different areas of battle up here in your head. And if you're going to win, you're going to have to use the gospel. You're going to have to use your testimony of new creation reality through Jesus Christ. You're going to have to stand on the blood of Jesus. Amen. That's how you're going to win. In other words, you've got to have your, the firing of your brain rewired by the Holy Spirit. Did you know that thoughts fire off electrical patterns in the brain? And whatever thought you dwell on the most gets the deepest rut. You ever tried to steer? You ever been off-roading? Yeah? And you got you got off in a rut. And it was so deep you couldn't steer your way back out of it. That's what dwelling on wrong thought is like. You create this rut, this this ditch in your in your brain. And it makes it difficult on you. On top of that, what ends up happening is the enemy, when he gets involved with it, he's playing a brick. He's just like the old coach here, you know? Butch, build it brick by brick. 
and fortresses. Strong, all a stronghold is is you've given so much time and attention to an improper thought that it has become fortified. So fixed in you, you'll fight for it. I've, I've, I've sat in counseling before with people and they're struggling over a particular thing and I touch it in a certain way and they instantly have a reaction. And I'm like, why did you have that reaction? They said, what do you mean by that? Why did you react that way when I pointed out and brought into the light the issue you're dealing with? Why would the issue you're dealing with being brought into light upset you that way? Why would you defend it the way you're defending it right now? When I'm telling you from Scripture what God thinks about it, and you're trying to defend it as though he thinks differently when I'm telling you from the Word of God exactly how God thinks about it. That's a stronghold, saints. Well, I was just born that way. My mom was that way. My grandma was that way. My grandpappy wrestled with this stuff too, man. It's in our genetic line. Your genetic line was broke when you became a new creation. Amen. Amen. Come on. And if you don't believe 2 Corinthians 5, 17, you're in a world of trouble. All things, the old things have passed away. Everything has become new. You're new in Him. Amen. Lord Jesus. You can pull down strongholds, cast down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. You just got to learn to start thinking straight. Philippians 4.8 says, Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of a good report, if there's any virtue and if there's anything praiseworthy, meditate. That's how you build the right ruts. Meditate on these things. Don't dwell on the garbage. Well, on the good things. Amen. See, our thoughts affect our sense of well-being or the lack of it. Yes. And whether or not we perceive the presence of God as being our most precious uh, privilege. Yes. Do you know that how you view is how you do? Oh. <laughs> how you view is how you do. It affects your life. I was just at lunch in Asheville with a pastor out of Greensboro, meeting me halfway. And what a positive time the two of us were having. And here we are standing in line for our, our lunch at this place we were at. And this lady behind us starts talking about, well, they sent me here to get this stuff. And then they changed it to this. And I, I mean, it was just one complaint after another. And I looked at her and said, you got this. And she said, well, I said, you can handle this. What are you carrying on like that for? This is not a big deal to you. You've done harder things than this, haven't you? She said, yeah, but. I said, no, no, there's no but. If you've done harder things than this, this is nothing. Not a problem. You're going to get to bless somebody today. If you can see it. She was so intent on being miserable. There was nothing he or I could say that would get her out of her tree. She just wanted to be unhappy. She just, she just has fixed it to where complaint is the most wonderful thing in her life. Now, isn't that just strange? Nobody has to live that way. Nobody has to just find their happiness in having something to complain about. Personally, I don't like being around people like that. The Debbie Downers, you know? You're trying to have a happy moment. You're elated, you're grateful, you're thankful, and somebody says, yeah, but did you know? <laughs> 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 
joy stealers. They're everywhere. <laughs> it's true. They want your joy. They're not going to use it. <laughs> they just hate that you've got it. <laughs> it's like the neighbor who covered your lawnmower. He wants your lawnmower, but he's never going to push it. <laughs> Come on. He just don't like the fact that you've got an ice cream shiny. <laughs> Jealousy. You know, people that are miserable, misery loves company. Yeah. They, they want, they're looking, and then they'll tell you that if you'll not be miserable with them, you must not love them. If you love me, you would listen to me, you would empathize. I've been empathizing with your complaining for 30 years. Come on! <laughs> You'd be happier than for God's sake. Stop! <laughs> that are just like that. You get around them and it feels like they just stuck an intravenous needle in your veins and they're going to drain the blood right out of your body. It's the truth. And you can never love that human being enough. You can never listen to them complain enough. You can never try to help them enough times. It will never be enough because they have fixed a stronghold in their thinking and they're actually in love with it. It's where they feel safest. It's behind the fortified walls of this thing that's built up in their brain. Don't be one of those people. You have been set free by Jesus Christ. Amen. You've been brought into the fullness of the presence of God, where there is joy and life forevermore. You've been brought into a new covenant with an increasing glory, an ever-increasing glory. It is not a diminishing glory. It is an ever-increasing glory. Amen. Yes. Everything that you need that pertains to life and godliness has already been given to you in Christ Jesus. You have not been shortchanged. You have not been left out. You have not been treated like the black sheep of the family. Amen. That's right. Come on. You've got everything that anyone else has access to in the kingdom of God in Christ Jesus. Amen. You just got to realize it. You've got to believe it. If you allow the enemy to occupy areas in your thought life, he'll set up fortifications that reject truths concerning Christ and his ability to totally set you free from anything and everything. You are no longer to be a slave to anything in this life. Nothing. Nothing. And especially not the fear of man. Jim, be careful how you say it. You might offend somebody. Don't let them get offended. <laughs> I'm not trying to set out to offend anybody, but if you get offended at what I'm saying, that's your bad, not mine. Since when should you be offended by the truth? I love how my brother David says it. He learned a lesson a long time ago. Why should I be offended if what they said to me was the truth? I don't care how they said it. I just ask myself, was it true or not? They don't have to get perfect. They don't have to have the perfect smile. They don't have to come with a with a peace offering before they say it. <laughs> what are you? Some young moon or something? You bring a flower? Here's my flower. <laughs> come on. The thing, the hoops we jump through. When we are not functioning in the liberty right. that is ours. Yes. Hello. Yes. Need to eliminate them. If you don't want to be free, that's your business. Right. But don't go trying to put the shackles on me. I'm not sharing them with you. Place the blame. 
Because it is for freedom that Christ died. Amen. And he told me I should pursue that freedom, and I'm going to pursue it. I'm on a mission to pursue all the freedom that I can have in Christ Jesus, saints. Hello, that's where I'm going. Yes, yes, yes. I hope you'll come with me, because it's a wonderful place. The truth is, we put up with idiosyncrasies and everything else all the time as it is. Usually the thing that bothers you and another person is something that you wrestle with yourself. We gotta fix this thing up here. I'm telling you. We gotta start, we gotta start pulling down the strongholds. We gotta start taking captive those arguments. We gotta we gotta start casting down the high things. You know what another high thing is? is what will the people say? Well, since when, since when did what the people say outweigh what God has to say? Exactly. <laughs> it's not like we go around and we just try to find things to say that we know in that moment we just be like petting a cat backwards. You know? <laughs> Grab me by the tail. <laughs> appropriately with others and you get railed against, don't say you're being persecuted. Right. For righteousness. Right. You get you're getting nailed by people because you're obnoxious and hateful. <laughs> you, know? exactly. you ask for it. You don't you don't go up to a woman and say, you know, your hair looks kind of funny today. <laughs> You might be thinking that, but you should just keep it to yourself. If she hauls off and slaps you, you deserve it. If you say you need these hearing protection things because your wife is getting Yeah. 
Oh, that we would get a little more reckless Amen. in the church. Yeah. Come on. Yeah. I had a dream last night. Hallelujah. And I was with people. Okay. And there was a strong presence of God. And I was looking at these people, and it was like nothing was happening to them. And I kept saying, can't you sense that? Can't you get an experience of what's going on with the presence of God right now? And they look at me and laugh as if I was crazy. And I was weeping. I was weeping. Saying, you don't know what you're missing. You don't know what you're missing out on right now. And in my sleep, I was literally weeping into my pillow over the presence of God. When you taste the presence of God, and you know others don't know it, right? or they're missing out because of strongholds or whatever's going on in their life, you can't just sit around and say or do nothing. Right. Right. You're missing out on the greatest thing there is. Nothing, yeah. nothing can compare to the presence of God living in your God. life. Yes. Nothing can. Glory of Hallelujah. Oh, that everyone. Oh, that the earth would be covered in the glory of God. If you let fortification set up that rejects truths concerning Christ's ability to totally set you free from anything and everything, you're going to risk being ruled by fear, by doubt, by worry, by anxiety, and you're going to experience a reluctance to do the will of God in your life. Because you'll have an excuse why you should. Amen. It'd be the easiest thing in the world to have an excuse why not. And it'll sound so rational. So rational. Yes. It'll hinder you from being able to enter into all that he has planned for you. And his plans are always the best. Yes. Being hindered by wild thoughts and falling prey to them is not who you are. And it is not your destiny. Jesus has done everything that was needed for you to be more than an overcomer through him. Wow. Everything has been done. He leads you. The Bible says Jesus leads us into triumph. Mm -hmm. yeah. Think about that. Yeah. But you have to realize that your path to victory goes through him, to him, for him, and with him. Yeah. It is never without him. Never without him. Your victory relies on the obedience of Jesus. It relies on his promise of righteousness being yours. It relies on you believing in his love for you. It relies on you having faith in his completed work at the cross and in his resurrection power. Jonathan delivered an excellent word on resurrection life. He who knew no sin became sin, so we might become the very righteousness of God. Yeah. I dare you to get up in the morning and look in the mirror and say, hello, righteousness of God. Good morning, righteousness of God. Go forth in power today, righteousness of God. Can you do it? Or would you feel strange? The more this truth is believed, the more your love for him is activated. Your love for Jesus is not activated because you will it. That is not how it's done. Your love for Jesus is only activated by your view of him. How many of you just decided one day, I'm going to will to love my wife. She's going to have to marry me. How many of you were moved by a view? <laughs> Come on. 
like a good-looking woman, right? Come on. And all of a sudden, you're just telling yourself over and over. What are you telling yourself? I'm in love. <laughs> I, ladies, you do it too. <laughs> I'm in love. And if you weren't in love, you, by the time you're done, you're convinced. You have talked yourself into it. You've talked and talked and talked and talked. You told your friends. Oh, I, man, I saw this guy. Stole my heart. I'm in love. Does he love you? I don't know yet. Can you help me get his attention? Come on. The view affects what you feel. You don't will to love Jesus. You let the Holy Spirit give you revelation of Jesus. And you won't be able to help but love Jesus. Because he's going to show you how much Jesus loves you. And the more you see how much Jesus loves you, the more in love with Jesus you become. The more that you see that Jesus is washing you with the water of defeat, with the water of filth, with the water of mud, of the water of criticism, the water of cynicism. Jesus is washing you with the pure water of his word as his bride. He's making you clean. He's speaking good things over you. He's telling you the possibilities and the opportunities that you can have in him. He's giving you what other people can't give to you. He's telling you the truth about you that nobody else seems to pick up on. Amen. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Come on. Amen. Yes. And the more you hear and the more you see him, yeah. the more in love with him you become. Yes. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. Yes. That's it. I know this. Because the Bible says we love him because he first yeah. loved us. Yes. Victory must first be won on the front lines. You'll need to stand on the new covenant gospel of the kingdom that declares Jesus is everything and has done everything if you want to win and experience real freedom. It's time for victory on the front lines. Amen? Would you stand with me? The Holy Spirit is among us here. For the purpose of making sure that this word does not come back void. For the purpose of making sure that we're looking at Jesus. You don't need messages that try to spark in you a better effort in your own strength. You need messages that spark in you the effort that Jesus made to secure you. And to make possible for you what you could not have done for yourself. That's what you need to hear. And that's what this message today is about. It's telling you what Jesus did on your behalf. And how complete that work really is. Now it's up to you to believe it. How many are ready to believe it? See, if you believe this, you're an open recipient for the fullness of the Spirit. You're an open recipient for all the Holy Spirit wants to do in and through you. Everything is possible to do. Him who believes. It does not say him who has his outward act together. Him who believes. Now, believing will start cleaning up some of that outward act. It's inevitable. But it's a different thing than you trying to focus on what you need to fix. And then focusing on him and letting him fix. Amen. There's a complete difference. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we come before you in this moment, this morning. And Lord, we're looking to be able to see clearly, without any fog, without any kind of veil at all, the completed work of Jesus. Holy Spirit, would you allow us, without veil, without fog, without any kind of an interruption, Lord, to see with clarity and with focus the splendor, the majesty, the beauty the, the amazingness of Jesus and all that he did and how it is applied to us by faith. Oh, Holy Spirit, help us get this. Help us get this. Without your help, we get none of it. 
Because this is not an intellectual thing. This is a spiritual thing. And you know that. So we're asking you, Holy Spirit, for revelation. Just like Jesus said to Peter, flesh and blood did not reveal that to you, Peter. My Father gave you that nugget. What was the nugget? He saw you, Lord Jesus. He saw you. Oh, that we would see you. Oh, that we would know you. Oh, that your presence would be worth more than anything this world has to offer. That you would hold the place of highest esteem. And not only just in our hearts, in the new spirit that you've given us, but in our soul, our mind, that you would be in, held in highest esteem in our thought life. Lord, everything that we're doing, you would be created. Everything that we are, you'd be created. Oh, we ask you to help with this Holy Spirit. Grant that we would be a people so captivated by the love of Christ and so just firmly planted in a love for Christ. Yes. We would be peculiar and strange to the world. Yes. That's yes. what we pray for, Lord. Yes. What we ask you for. What we believe for. And where we come up short in those areas, we thank you for the grace that covers us. Gives us continual, unrelenting favor with God the Father at the throne of grace. We thank you for mercy to help us in these issues, Lord. Father, if there's anybody here that formulated and fortified strongholds, Lord, may they be broken by the power of the blood of Jesus. May they be shattered and torn down completely. And may you equip them in the power of the Holy Spirit to finish the job. And put the right things in there. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You see it? Amen. There are workbooks on breaking, uh, you know, how to defeat demonic spirits and break strongholds. They're free. They're on the table out there. If the table runs out, there's more of it you can back it up with uh, under the credenda. So you're free to take one of those with you and continue to pursue this. Um, hey, there's a freedom that the Lord has for you that will blow your mind. It will blow your mind. Thank you for being patient and attending. If you need prayer, please come and pray for you. God bless you guys. Enjoy the rest of this first day of spring.